Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show, and today we are talking about the greatest performances of Hacksaw Butch Reed, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Juan Silva. What's up, man? Hey, good evening, Logan. Good evening, classic wrestling fans. As tonight, we talk about one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, my favorite black wrestler of all time, the always awesome Hacksaw Butch Reed. Yeah, that's uh, quite a um, quite a specimen there. Uh, very strong, very athletic, and uh, probably like what, what do you think of him as one of the top black wrestlers of all time? Right. At one, at one time, he was, in my opinion, and and the esteemed Dave Meltzer's opinion, as of 1986, Dave Meltzer had, had considered Hacksaw Butch Reed the greatest African American wrestler of all time professional wrestler of all time. He's top five. I think he was surpassed by Rocky uh by both Rocky Johnson and The Rock. I would put a Hacksaw Butch Reed third behind those two guys. Yeah, so he's uh I mean he kind of did he make it into the um Hall of Fame? No, he's not in the Observer Hall of Fame because he stopped wrestling after the Doom tag team came to a to an end in nineteen ninety two Butch Reed was only, I believe, 38, 39 years old when he retired from professional wrestling and became a, a member of the rodeo circuit. He became a cowboy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he always was a southern boy, right? So, well, he's from Kansas City, Missouri, so I guess you can consider that the south. But he's been, been on the rodeo circuit on and off for the last 23 years. So he actually rides horses. He he, he performs. He was performing in rodeos. So whatever they do in rodeos, I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> a... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, well, his peak. Uh, you have a bunch of matches from his peak of his career here. Uh, his peak. Um, and that... His peak was from 1982 to 1985. In 1986, when he joined the World Wrestling Federation, he had gotten so juiced up and drugged up. He had a bad cocaine habit that by the time he got to the WWF in the summer of 86, he wasn't the same. But his career was resurrected in 1989 when him and Ron Simmons became the tag team Doom, first under the mask, and then in 1990 had a sensational year as NWA World Tag Team Champions. Yeah, that was a great tag team. A lot of people probably remember him from that. And also they remember the Nat. Most people remember him as the natural, you know, from uh, WWE. But uh, he was Hacksaw when he started out, right? I'll talk about that ill-fated run at the end of this episode. But let's get into what we're going to talk about now, which was the prime of Hacksaw Butch Reed. I'll run it down real quick. From October 1984 on a on an episode of, of Mid-South Wrestling, his face turn, his face turn when he turns face when uh, on an episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Then we'll go to October 11th, 1985, from the Houston, Sam Houston Coliseum, Houston slash Mid-South Wrestling. For you fans that have, yet to, have, have not yet purchased NWA Classics, this match is on the NWA Classics um, website. 
Ric Flair defending the NWA World Championship in Houston, Texas against Hacksaw Butch Reed. And in the final match, December 31st, 1985, New Year's Eve, 1985, a dog-collar match, a brutal dog-collar match versus um, Mad Dog Bus Sawyer. Yeah, and I, now I'm not sure. I, I did watch a, a match he did with uh, Dick Murdoch, but uh, I'm not sure if it was the one that you wanted me to watch. But uh, they, they eliminated the link that I sent when he won the North American Championship from Dick Murdoch. That was deleted a couple of weeks ago, right after I gave you the link. The link you sent me was from the NWA from um, – WC when uh, after Crockett had bought the promote after Crockett had sold the Turner February 1989, uh, Dick Murdoch versus Butch Reed, both men passed their prime. Yeah, it was still a good match, but uh, yeah, uh, and Butch Reed playing the heel, so does, it was good to see him. Does it compare to the to the Reed Murdoch matches of 1985? Right, right, okay. So uh, this first thing, this face turn, I didn't get to see it. So why don't you describe what happened there? Right in the. Summer of 1983, the early summer, late spring, early summer of 1983, they did a, 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 a great angle in which Butch Reed took the microphone. Butch Reed was a protege of the Junkyard Dog in the Mid-South from when he, from when he um, came into the Mid-South in late 1982. Butch Reed, the angle was Butch Reed was tired being JYD's protege under the shadow of JYD, and he grabbed the microphone and, and shot a great promo about how he's tired of the JYD. He wants to be his own man. JYD comes out and Butchery says, look, I'm my own man. And he turns on the JYD and this go- begins a year-long feud, a year-long feud in which in the summer of 1984, Logan, JYD without no notice leaves Mid-South and goes to the WWF doing the WWF's expansion and their attack, their invasion of all the territories throughout the United States, McMahon would take would, would, would attempt to steal each promotions, each territory's top star. He cripples Mid-South by stealing JYD in August of 84. So what um, Mid-South did was they, they um, Bill Watts on television mentioned how he's a coward, which we ran him out of town. And so after that, um, a guy by the name of George Wells, Master G, takes JYD's place in the feud, and he has no charisma. He's not a great worker. He, one thing he, he, I mean, Watts realizes this, so he gets squashed by the uh, the, the uh, Butch Reed. Then he tries Brickhouse Brown. Once again, same thing, no charisma. He gets squashed. So finally, Bill Watts is like, all right, instead of putting these black guys against Reed, why don't I make Reed the top black babyface? So in the fall of 1984, he plans out a phenomenal angle, Logan, a phenomenal angle in which he has, over a three-, four-week buildup, Skandar Rackball, the leader of the Rat Pack, Devastation Incorporated, is talking to Buddy Landell, the late great Buddy Landell, who recently passed away. And he's telling Buddy Landell, look, I gave you a job. Here's a Rolex. Get the job done. So... Doing an episode of Mid-South Wrestling, Hacksaw Butch Reed is being introduced by Jim Ross. Jim Ross is the ring announcer at this time, as as um before his match. While he's being introduced by Jim Ross, Buddy Landell comes in the ring. 
at this point, Logan, Landell and JYD, I mean, Landell and Butch Reed are a tag team. Landell goes up to Butch Reed and says, hey, 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 I got, I got something for us. Here's this Rolex. And Butch Reed's like, what's this, Ro- what, what's this Rolex about? And Buddy Landell's like, the general, the general told me to give you this, and we're going to join it. We're going to join the general's army. And, and Butch Reed is like, "Are you kidding me? I'm the man in mid south. I'm the man. I stand alone. I got rid of. I got rid of JYD. I got rid of uh, Brickhouse Brown. I got rid of Master G. I stand alone." So Buddy Landell is like, "No, you got to join the general. I promised him. He gave me this Rolex so we could join." And the Butch Reed is like, "So that's what it's about." Smashes the smashes the Rolex, and Buddy Landell falls to the floor. Says, "No, no!" Crying because he destroyed his Rolex, and then Buddy Landell tries to attack Butch Reed, and Butch Reed destroys Buddy Landell. Buddy Landell, one of the great bumpers of all time, takes some hellacious bumps from JYD's punches and is knocked out. In comes General Skandar Akbar with Ted DiBiase and Hercules Hernandez, and Butch Reed is like, "Come on!" I'll take you all out of Skandarak. Like, calm down, Butch. Calm down. I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't send a boy to do a man's job. I'm here to offer you a lot of money to join the general's army. And Ted DiBiase is like, listen to him, Butch. And Butch is like, shut up, shut up, Ted. I'm standalone. I don't need to join no army. So Skandarak finally says these legendary words. And mind you, people, George Bush was a huge wrestling fan, and he was real good, good friends with Paul Bosch, Houston, um, the, the owner of the Houston Territory. Skander Akbar says these words that 15, 16 years later, 17 years later, would be repeated by George Bush. You're either, Butch Reed, you're either with us or against us. So Butch Reed goes, well, I guess I'm against against you, and starts fighting all three members along along as Buddy Landell and Landell, Hercules, DiBiase, and Akbar beat him down until Hacksaw Duggan makes a save. Hacksaw Butch Reed is now a face, and now you they create the tag team of the Hacksaws, Duggan and Reed. Hello. Logan? So that sorry, yeah. So that's the, that's how they got uh the name for uh, him is uh Hacksaw uh Duggan. He was in a tag team with Hacksaw Duggan and then he became Hacksaw Book Street. No, Book, he was Butch always Reed. Hacksaw Butch Reed since well when he first started, his real name Hacksaw Butch Reed's real name is Bruce Reed. Then when he came to I don't I think it was in Florida, they changed his name to Hacksaw Butch Reed. Because he had been a football player, and there was a famous football player at the time whose nickname was Hacksaw Reynolds, who played for the Los Angeles Rams and then later the San Francisco 49ers. So Hacksaw Duggan and Hacksaw Butch Reed got, took that nickname from Hacksaw Reynolds because they both were football players. Uh, okay. And then they ended up being in the tag team, but who was first? Um, I would say, oh, they both... They both started their careers around the same time, so I would, I, I could, I couldn't, I couldn't venture against okay. it. Hacksaw Butch Duggan became Hacksaw Duggan in Mid South in '82, and Hacksaw Butch Reed became Hacksaw Butch Reed in Florida in '82. Okay. 
So, yeah, so this face turn was uh, they were trying to basically get another junkyard dog in there. It didn't turn out to pan out, but he had some great matches in that during that face period. He did, he did not draw like uh, Butch, uh, by, by JYD. was the closest thing they ever had to JYD. And from that point on until he left the promotion in January 86, Butch Reed was predominantly the number one face in Mid-South, or if not 1A to 1B to uh, Axel Duggan. Okay, so so here we have Ric Flair coming in to defend his uh, NWA World Heavyweight Championship against Hacksaw Butch Reed. Um, what what what? How did this um, match get set up? Well, this is the feud that was ongoing throughout the summer into the fall of 1985 throughout the Mid South arenas. Um, Butch Reed has scored a pin on Ric Flair on on, on national television, a non-title match. It was also a legendary one-hour ma- uh, time limit uh, draw that we covered on the greatest matches of all time from the New Orleans Superdome. So, and want a, a real quick backdrop to this: Hacksaw Butch Reed became a national star courtesy of an angle that was shot in Florida when Dory Funk Jr. was the Booker in the spring of 1982. I remember this match vividly because this used to be shown on Spanish television, Florida Wrestling, in New York City. In the spring, I would say March of 1982, there was a um, Bruce Reed, Butch Reed, Hacksaw Butch Reed, had gotten a shot, a 30-minute TV title shot for the NWA World Championship against Ric Flair. At this point, Butch Reed was an unknown, and Ric Flair went in there all cocky. Oh, is this cool with this guy? This guy's never beat anybody. Woo, I'm the champion. This is going to be easy work. They went to a 30-minute time limit draw, a great match, a match to this day that I wish I I would have recorded because I can't find this match. One of those great matches on television that's nowhere to be found. Logan, they went 30 minutes. This would have been on this program. We could have found it. They went 30 minutes, time limit draw. Flair goes to the Gordon Soli and says, No, no, this guy can't beat me. Give me five more minutes. Woo, I want five more minutes. Within those five minutes, Butch Reed pins Ric Flair. Ric Flair, once again, like he always does, puts over a great star. And Butch Reed, for the rest of that, uh, for the next four to five months, is the number one face in Florida as Dory Funk and Ric Flair did a great job of building this star. And Dory Funk always was great at building up black baby faces. So they kind of, they, they kind of, Bill Watts kind of took that angle and used his own used his own twist in which Reed pits Flynn and not title match on television, and they have a tremendous feud throughout the fall, from the summer to the fall of of, of 1985. This being one of the matches in that in that feud. Okay, so yeah, so they get into this, um, you know, so this is a, they've had already two matches before this one. Then is what you're saying, right? Several matches, but there was two matches. One on television and one that and one that we covered from the Superdome, and so this is one of the in a, in a series of of many matches. I got you. So this one is good. I mean, it, it's it's intense. They 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 lock up for at first, and you get um, him sh- with a uh, Butch with a show of strength pushing him across the ring. You get, you get Rick fucking. Um, tries an arm drag, then he gets arm dragged himself, and then press slam pretty fucking easily by, uh, this is a strong guy, 
Coach Reed was a great athletic worker, and this is the, this is the best type of a guy that Ric Flair flourishes against, that makes him yeah. look great. I mean, Reed is a good worker. Flair makes him a great worker because no one works off big men better than Ric Flair. Ric Flair, whether it was Lex Luger, Sting, Butch Reed, Kerry Von Erich, Bruiser Brody, the big guys, Hogan, blows off you so great, he just enhances their work rate by the way he bounces off of them. He sure does, yeah. So he's begging off, you know, playing the the the, the cowardly heel here, and then he uh they they do a, he gets caught in a bear hug, and they they sell this bear hug pretty uh pretty intensely. Then they uh they do a little boxing, which uh, of course Butch Reed gets the better of. He he's like he's got that Rocky Johnson stance, you know. With, uh, oh, Butch Reed Logan is, and he do great punches. I mean, he yeah from that old school, and then you know what. If you notice, a lot of the guys that went through Bill Watts' territory knew how to throw punches, whether it was Hacksaw Duggan, Ted DiBiase, Butch Reed. Because Bill Watts emphasized reality, real realism in his matches. And if you threw bullshit punches, he was going to take you to the back, to the back and punch you for real. <laughs> so he gets cut back in the bear hug. Um, he almost he falls to the ground and almost gets pinned. Um, he finally gets to the ropes and uh, he he comes back with a chop. And and you know you see uh, what's his name um, 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 Butch Reed like really selling these chops. Like he's not, he doesn't no sell them like a lot of the big guys do. And I, I think that's better. Well, what um, because it, the thing about Flair because the chop is one of his big um, offensive weapons. It works so great against the Brodies, the Reeds, the Von Erichs, the Stings, the Lugas, because they have those massive chests. And so he's bouncing it off, and the, the effect is great. It's like, wow, look at this. Yes. And, and Reed sells it to a point, but then makes the comeback and starts beating the hell out of Flair again. Yeah, he's punching him back. Then we get a Flair flop. Um, and, then he get, and then we get Rick getting his leg breaker on and then going into the figure four. Um, you know, when, when does Ric Flair put on a figure four that's not reversed? I just want to know. He, he's always reversed. But he gets reversed. Recently, I was listening to Ric Flair's podcast, and Ric Flair was like, I'm the only guy with a finishing move that no one ever submits to. <laughs> Dude, he, he's also like the high flyer guy who comes off the top rope, and it never works. I mean, I think it's worked once in his whole career. It's been but, in, uh, Flair always goes, I put the... I put the figure four leg lock on. I think about a thousand times, a million times in my career. I think I'm one guy submitted. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he submitted like a jobber in a squash match with the figure four, yeah. and that's about it. On weekly, um, so, whenever he wrestled, yeah, the jobber would submit. But um, but as far as the NWA title defenses are not, uh, there's been a few times Dusty Rhodes blacked out to the figure four. <laughs> It's been a few times when, whenever he wins the match, Logan. Whenever the ma- like the end of a feud, goes on to the ropes with the figure four, and the guy that submits or blacks out. Right, right. So anyway, he gets uh, he gets he gets uh, reversed. Then he he uh, tries to put the figure four on again. He gets small package. Then we get uh, some some real chops from Flair. Rick Flair then goes points out to the crowd, starts talking to him. You know, tell him to fuck. Fuck off! Uh, like I'm talking, he's like, you know, I love it when he points to like somebody specific in the crowd and then like starts like taunting them, you know. It's, it's, um, 
It's usually a fat bitch or dude, yeah. Yeah, he's like, shut up, fat boy. And then he goes, uh, he throws Butch out, uh, and then Butch tries to get back in and gets chopped out viciously. Uh, and then he gets back, comes back in with a sunset flip, um, and he gets a, a two count. Uh, then we get the sleeper by Reed, um, and then that, that's a pretty like uh, he really does wear Ric Flair down. They get they get into that like uh, sequence where they do the bridge to the backslide. Yes, um, backslide. Yes, and, th- and then he's punching Flair in the corner, and uh, Re- the. Flair kind of like grabs him by the arm and like throws him right into the ref. Um, and um, then uh, Butch Reed shows his athleticism. Athleticism. Flair throws him off the top rope and he does the what you call skin the cat, which I've never seen a dude as big as uh, as Reed ever do. I mean, he did it flawlessly. Yeah, man, it was one of those, uh, it was great. And he gets thrown out, but then, like, does, like, the skin the cat to get back in. That was good. Um, the guy that big do it. Usually it's Ricky Steamboat, Ricky Morton, those type of wrestlers. But, but uh, Reed, and at this point in time, Logan, Reed probably has one of the five greatest physiques in the history of professional wrestling. I mean, he is stacked to the gill. Chest-wise, he's got muscular legs. There's nothing skinny on this guy. He's all muscles. Great athleticism, and he's not muscular to the point where it's grotesque, like a yeah. like a warlord or a goddamn fuck. Who was real grotesque? As was or Dino Bravo-ish. So at this point, it's a perfect it's a perfect physique. Yeah, he's perfect. He looks like he looks kind of like Tony Atlas. He does. Uh, Tony Atlas has skinny legs. Butch Reed at this point legs are powerful. His build, yeah, you're right. He's got the football legs. This build is on a level of a Kerry Von Erich and a Lex Luger in their prime, where from top to bottom, he's the... And, yeah, he's still, yeah. And it's the total package. So then he gets the figure four on Flair, but then the ref comes back in, and this is a classic finish for a Flair match here. He comes, he thinks he won. He did win. He won by just DQ because Flair threw him into the ref intentionally. Yeah, and uh, that's the uh, the finish of the match. He's very upset. Flair runs out, and uh, that's that's the deal. I mean, uh, to, and so uh, you know, one, one thing go I ahead. Say, this feud does not end conclusively. On television, the following week, he um, Flair puts a bounty on 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 Butchery, twenty five thousand dollar bounty, in which Dick Slater and and Hacksaw Buzz Sawyer collected by um, attacking them and putting them out. And so that leads to a feud that he has with both Dick Slater and Buzz Sawyer, and which culminates with Buzz Sawyer in the next match, December 31st, 1985. Reed at this time is North American champion, but challenges acts on Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer to a non-title dog-collar match. Yes, and so that's this next match that we're going to talk about here. Now, this... This thing was fucking crazy. Like, first of all, it, he challenged him. It was like it was an impromptu challenge, right? It was like you know, just like you don't have matches like this today, man. This it was unfucking real. Butch Sawyer and Butch Reed, two of the best workers on the planet at this point in professional wrestling in 1985, putting a clinic on how to do a door collar brawl. This was a phenomenal bloodbath. Oh yeah, man, and. uh you know, the, the thing about it is, is like for the first 
of like maybe seven, eight minutes of this match, it's all butchery. <laughs> He's just beating the shit out of Sawyer, man. Like I bet you flooding his ass up. Hey Logan, I bet you they didn't go they didn't go in the back and say move for move what they were gonna do. This is how this match this is how this match was, was went about. This is how they planned the match. Bill Watts went to them and said, Look, you're gonna go out there and you're gonna challenge him to an impromptu match. Go over the match, fellas. They they take out some lines, they both snort, they look at each other, oh we'll call it in the ring, and then they go to the fucking ring. <laughs> and they and they busted hard way, you know, there was no blading in this shit. It was just pure fucking chain. You at know? this point, Logan, deep, not only was these two guys, Sawyer and Reed, two of the best workers on the planet, they were two of the biggest cokeheads on the planet. <laughs> well, yeah, dude, they are. And uh, they they were going at it, man. Like, they didn't look like, I don't know, they were really hitting each other. Like, definitely. It had to be high to do the shit they were doing this match because they were fucking each other up with that chain. Hard way. <laughs> yeah, Sora eventually comes back and uh, throws him in, you know, uh, they go outside, he throws him into the steel barricade. Then he whips Reed by the chain. Uh, he whips Reed with the chain. Uh, he goes down and misses an elbow, but Butch Reed then, like, um, comes back, whips uh, Sawyer with the chain. Um, then he comes down hard on um, on him with a crim- you know, on his crimson mask with his fucking... He puts that, wraps that shit around his hand and just starts, like, doing, like, fist drops on him on the, on the mat. Um, Snorri does a... Sawyer does a snap mare with the fucking chain. <laughs> then you get like um, Reed. Reed catches. Um... Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Reed catches Sawyer when he gets jumps off the second rope. Mm-hmm. Um, then he. I mean, he, he basically he kills Sawyer. He chokes Sawyer with the the, the thing. He's um, he Sawyer um, takes his collar off. <laughs> he puts it on like the bottom rope, yeah, and he has the... in the match. Smart move by Bud Sawyer. While Butchery is outside the ring, Sawyer takes his collar off and ties it to the bottom rope. And then when they come in the ring, Sawyer reverses a whip and turns it into a bulldog. And this was great booking because because the rope is tied, the the dog collar is tied to the rope. It looks like he just snaps Butchery's neck. Butchery goes yeah. down. Sawyer gets the pin one, two, three, and he wins the match. And then Dick Slater comes in, and they beat the hell out of Butch Reed. Yeah, yeah. This is not a good night for Butch Reed. <laughs> what happened, Logan? Butch Reed had, gave, had given his notice to Bill Watts. What happened was, at this point in time, Butch Reed, while he was making money for Watts, and Watts didn't want him to leave, Butch Reed's coke habit had gotten so out of hand that his wife said, Either either you leave it south and quit wrestling or do something because I'm going to leave you. So what Butch Reed did was he gave notice to Watts right before this match. And then the following night he would give up the North American title to Dick Slater and he would go back to Kansas City, his hometown with his wife, where he would wrestle in the horrible Kansas City promotion as a mid-carder oh, just, just so he wouldn't get divorced. But then he uh, got went back on the coke. Well, what happened was while he cleaned out in Kansas City, he started being managed by Slick, and caught the eye, caught the attention of Vince McMahon, who always had his eye on Butch Reed. And so they came up with the plan to give him blonde hair and become a black 
blonde hair, uh, thinking that that would draw a lot of money. It didn't draw shit. Butch Reed's coke problem resurfaced when he came to the WWF. Because you know, Logan, in the mid to late 80s, the WWF was was infested with cocaine abuse. Okay, so yeah, it was, he was there to get it, and he got it, and he got way into the coke. It cost him, Logan, because on a TV taping in May of 1987, he was scheduled to win the Intercontinental Championship of Ricky Steamboat. But he was so coked out of his mind that he that he was late to the arena, and the honky tonk man took a pl- took his place, and you saw what happened. Wow, that changed history right, right there, man. Like just his coke habit fucked up history right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could have been him, man, having the longest reign, you know. And, and really- after after WrestleMania four, he was fired by the WWF, and then he would resurface in the NWA Turner. WCW late '88, and then in '89 he would form the tag team with Doom. That would be a probably the best tag team in the United States other than the Steiners up until 1991, where um, Dusty Rhodes made a horrible decision in breaking them up and turning Ron Simmons face. I think they had a they had a large a, a longer shelf life than they were given, and, and um, less than two years later, Butch Reed retired from wrestling and. Became a member of the rodeo circuit. How who did they, who did they feud with when they were uh, doomed? They feuded with the Steiners, right? They feuded with the Steiners. They feuded with the, the Horsemen. The Horsemen feud was a great feud. One of the matches that we covered on the greatest matches of all time. And did they? And, and when Natural Bush Reed was wrestling, who did he feud with? No, he, most of the time in in in, in, in 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 Turner, he was teaming with the, with with um. Ron Simmons. Then when they broke the team up, he feuded with Ron Simmons for a couple of months, ending in a ta- in a cage match in which Reed lost, and then he left the promotion. No, but I mean, when he was a natural in WWF, uh, who did he who did he wrestle? The most of the time, he feuded with with superstar Graham and then Don Morocco. All oh, right, right, that's right. Okay. His last match was against uh, Axel Butch Reed. All right, well, uh, you know, probably um, not that many people. I, I don't know. How many people do you think know about Hacksaw Bush Reed? Um, not many, the, right? The people that listen to this program. <laughs> I don't think today's wrestling fan listens to this program. The guys that listen to this program are like uh, Dean Knickerbocker, our boy, uh, our boy in San Antonio, or, 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 or shout out to Mark Wren. They know who Bush Reed Butch Reed, are they are big fans of Butch Reed? Shout out to my man Goodwill, who was a huge Butch Reed um fan. The guys that listen to this program are definitely definitely know who Butch Reed is and appreciate the work of Butch if, Reed does. If Butch Reed died, do you think people would remember him? No, no, because Butch Reed never got to that level of a Ric Flair, a Dusty Rhodes, or Roddy Piper, and it's because of his it's because he self destructed. How was he on the mic? There's the, the cocaine. The cocaine? The cocaine is under. Cocaine is under. Yeah, but I mean, he was a good promo, too, right? He do it all. He was a great promo, a great athlete, great worker. He had the look. I mean, that man was like a black Kerry Von Erich the way he was built. Yeah, and he had, he had good athleticism, too, man. I mean, Although, he, I have to... he, he, could, he could do it all, but, you know, cocaine abuse, baby. 
And he admits it. There's an RF video shoot interview out there that people could check it out on YouTube where he, he talks about the demons that controlled, that, that ruined his life. He'll be the first to admit that he should have done more than what he did. The man could do it all. One of my all-time favorite wrestlers in the mid-80s, in 1985, my wall consisted of the murderer Superfly Stucker, Hacksaw Butch Reed, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Wow, you had a, you had a cokehead, a racist, and well, a uh, <laughs> somebody all, else. All three did massive amounts of cocaine, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, that's a great little retrospective. Go ahead. To calculate the amount of cocaine those three guys did, you could you could you you could take care of Bolivia for two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of snow there. All right. Well, uh, we'll be uh, looking at another guy uh, coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Uh, do you do you happen to know who it will be? Uh, well, let's concentrate. Sunday, I want to do two shows. Fight recap of the bullshit Floyd Mayweather Andre Berto fight that happened last week and. We're going to uh, cover on the movie show the great Three Kings movie starring Mark Wahlberg, George Clooney, and the legendary Ice Cube. As far as wrestlers go, Logan, haven't decided yet. It's down to three guys. It's either going to be Ricky Steamboat, Bret Hart, or Ric Flair. And you can make an argument those are the three greatest workers in the history of American professional wrestling. (laughs) Yes, indeed. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show, and uh, thank you, Juan Silva. We'll talk soon, man. Talk to you on Sunday, big man. Good night. Talk to you then. Peace.